Today's episode is brought to you by Zola. To get $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com slash brain candy. And to get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash brain candy and using promo code brain candy at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Crazy kids. Great. How are you guys Wild doing? Wild and crazy kids. It's a totally new year. We already said that, Sarah. But I'm just saying it's fresh start. I'm reiterating <laughs> my fresh start. Because we gosh. didn't talk about New Year's resolutions slash goals because we don't call them resolutions anymore on the we last one. We talked about them a little bit because we talked about how I'm trying to do stop being polite. Yes, that's right. <sighs> Can I... I how, told, you, how's that going? Well, I told Sarah... Privately, but I will reiterate. And I know that the person that was hosting this party listens sometimes, so my apologies to her. It wasn't her fault. But I was at a party recently, and uh, oh, so just some background is our idea of stop being polite is like how women are always put in these positions, whether it's sexual or otherwise, mm-hmm. where we're trained to keep the peace and just go go along to get along or whatever. And I don't want to do that anymore. And so we have these shirts. We're trying to start a movement. Stop being polite. That's right. But I failed Ugh, already no. because I was at this dinner. So it's a hurdle. Oh, yeah. A hurdle. A small speed bump on your way to. It was a learning opportunity. Yes. There you go. Opportunity for learning. I love it. <laughs> Good reframe. There was a guy at the party, an older gentleman, very handsome, lovely, uh, accomplished confident fellow Mm -hmm. as they often are white white Uh straight (laughs) man and he had learned throughout the evening that i was a phd in religious studies but he also had learned that i am secular Mm -hmm. i'm not Mm -hmm. devoted to a particular faith but that i research uh religion as we sit down to dinner (laughs) he starts gearing up and he's like it's not often that we have in our pre- keep in mind we are not at his house i just <laughs> met him an hour ago right he goes we're not often in the presence of a scholar of religion and i would like to ask her if she would give lead us in a prayer or a blessing for the new year mm-hmm. and i was like no thanks mm-hmm. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah. And I would try to do the old jokey joke, like, get out of it. No, I'm How'd not doing go? it. Terrible. Okay. And he was like, I really think, since this is your field of expertise, that no one is more qualified to supply a blessing. Actually, the person who's religious would call qualified, yeah. not you. I go, I think I told you mm-hmm. I'm a heathen. Right. Oh, gosh. And he looked at me dead in the eye, scrunched up his nose, and goes, Please. Ew. Ew. And I'm like, what do you want? You want a toast? You want a prayer? What do you want? Like, I went into like evangelical mode. I was about to be like, dear Father God, we, th-, you know, like go into the whole prayer script uh-huh. that I grew up with uh-huh. just to shut this fool up. Oh, I would have gone in a jokey. My sister jokey said that I should way. have done the National Lampoon. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> I'm so mad I didn't. Right. But Sarah, he put me in a position. He pulled a power move. Of course he did. That was to put you down and to... And fuck that. It diminished what I do for a living. Because either way you respond, you're being a bitch or you're being a pushover. Exactly. You're either sacrificing yourself or you're a fucking bitch. Yeah. Sorry, Linda. Sorry, Linda. I'm not sorry to this dude. No. Not sorry. It was terrible, and I did it, and then I said, Oh, okay. You know, I saw you the next day, and I was still talking about it. Well, here's my question. What did it feel like in your body when you were in that position? It felt very familiar because we've all done it a million times. When some guy forces our hand Mm -hmm. to do something we don't want to do, and like you said, puts us in an impossible position where we have to choose between being a bitch mm-hmm. in front of everyone. Everyone Ugh. was staring at me. And so I was just like, said a generic toast. And then I was like, in May 2018, oh. be a heck of a lot better than 2017. Oh, that's good. And then look him dead in the eyes. I wonder, you know, because like in my own life, with I'm trying to find 
I'm trying to better recognize the body sensations that accompany emotions and feelings, especially ones that lead me to feel stress and anxiety after the fact. And I'm trying, because if you can be aware of that feeling, you can kind of have a little more control over the response to the feeling and go, okay, I, it's kind of like catching, taking the water off, off of the, the stove when it's just simmering instead of it letting it boil over. Then it's just, you know, too hot and it takes a long time to cool down, blah, blah, blah. But if you can just turn off the heat for a second or find a way to, to address that feeling or even just become aware of it, kind of like name it or, or recognize it. I wonder if the recognizing the feeling can in some way empower us to stop being polite. I sure, I think that's a great advice and I will think more about the, yeah. what I felt like physically. I know I felt sick and... Because I, I've, I've really, know, like it feels almost like my hands start shaking, my mouth gets really dry... It, when I have to defend myself, it feels like I'm already it, like I'm preparing for battle. It, almost like the fear of public speaking kind of feeling, where you just get all these this anxiety and nerves and whatever. And then, no matter what you do, you still have those weird feelings afterwards, like you made the wrong decision. Yeah. So I just want to learn how to conquer those feelings. Well, Maybe I'll come back to you later with. I more think info. I get th- that his intention wasn't to make me feel bad. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I don't think so. I think he thought he was being like all genteel and sort of maybe uh, trying to create a special moment. But if you want a fucking blessing so... Sorry, Linda. Blessing so bad, you do one. Right. He's a judge. He was a federal magistrate judge. He is perfectly capable yeah. of offering a blessing. Right. Uh, so it was a good idea that we didn't encourage you to lead us in the uh hanging of the mezuzah at our house <laughs> oh my god did you do that no my mom my mom got my husband one for his birthday yeah. and we wanted to like find the right time to do like a whole blessing for the house and da 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 and then uh the day after christmas you know you came over and and my mom was like oh maybe we'll just do it when Susie's here because you know i would have enjoyed that i know i figure like you would because I just don't like to be <laughs> right. I just don't like to be forced. Speaking of anyway. um, uh, proselytizing <laughs> Jews, uh, when I was in New York, you know how we we've kind of always like not joked, but we say like, "Well, isn't that great?" They're like the religion is like, "No, no, we don't want you. We're fine. We're good. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's too much work. You don't want to do it. Like we got you don't really <laughs> want to be this. They try to talk you out of it. Yeah. Well, we we were in the when we were in New York walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I, I had about five somewhere between five and ten people come up to me with flyers in their hands. Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? But I think they were trying to see if I was Jewish and then I say yes and then they give me something. Wait, about, so you said no and I then I said what? no and we didn't exactly leave the door open for conversation, but it wasn't like I was wondering if you if you were familiar with these They might be Jews for flyering Jesus. Jews. So these Jews for Jesus are people who identify as either culturally or Uh Jewish in some way, but are essentially evangelical Christians. So they believe Jesus is the Messiah. Some people call them Messianic Jews. And so if you're Jewish, then they kind of want to be like, hey, me too. But guess what? It kind of felt like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Because Land and I were looking at each other like, oh, this is a new one. It's like, what are my people doing out on the streets? I usually think, don't do that. I think that's who you you got it. That's probably it. And they are sweeping the nation. Okay, that's got to be it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, don't engage okay. unless you really want to. Yeah, I mean, and while I was in New York, I got to see what was inside my sister-in-law. Well, sister-in-law? Yeah, she yes, is. Yes, I always get that wrong. Because she's so young. I know. I yeah. always call the wrong thing. I'm like my niece or whatever. Um, but I got to see what was inside of her birch box. Did she love it? Yeah, and, and then I looked inside hers because, you know, you can customize them. So, I, like, customize for what you need. Yeah. And she has, like, way different hair and skin and everything than I do. So I was like, what's she, she got? different she got there? <laughs> and I was like, you want to uh, let me see what's in your box over there? <laughs> Birch Box is really cool because they are a beauty subscription service that provides products that are from brands you know and brands you might not know. So you get to try new things. And it's great for a gal who likes makeup, likes to look cute, likes to try new things, but isn't like in the know or obsessed with yeah. makeup necessarily, but wants to try new things. That is me. 
So if you want a really good deal, go to birchbox.com slash brain candy because you can get 20% off a purchase of $30 or more site-wide, which is nice. And Or you could choose the three-month subscription, which would only be $24. It's basically... 20% off a three, six, or 12-month subscription or 20% off a purchase of $30 or more at the Birchbox shop. Either way, it's a good deal. That's and Valentine's deal. is coming up, fellas, if you want to give your girl something nice. Or, or ladies. gals, if you want to treat your friend for a little Valentine's Day gift. Or if you're a les, we love you too. Yep, there you go. Get your girlfriend something mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. Birchbox.com slash brain candy, code brain candy. Uh, I watched an interesting video mm-hmm. um, from The New Yorker about a 90-year-old Jewish woman who had bacon for the first time. Uh-huh. Oh, my and gosh. I will put the um, video in the newsletter because I was so glad I watched it. It was eight minutes long, and I thought it really was going to focus on how great bacon is. <laughs> the obvious answer or the conclusion to that Especially after study. 90 years of smelling it, and then finally you can taste it. But it really was more about devotion and how this woman was raised in a very conservative Jewish family. And then two years ago at 88, she went on the internet and she was started, started Googling different things and recipes and things like that. And then went down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. as one does basically through that journey became an unbeliever. (gasps) Which is so compelling to me because my research fascination has shifted recently towards the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who have no religion. Yeah. We call them the religious nuns. That's a cool name. I know. But you always have to spell it. Not as cool of an outfit. (laughs) Right. The N-O-N-E-S who... People that maybe grew up in a religion but then left Ah. and why they leave, I find it really interesting because I am one. That's a fascinating thing to study. So she, thanks to the internet, has now become secularized and had decided she wanted to go ahead and break kosher Mm -hmm. and she had some bacon. But the bacon bit was... (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. The bacon part of, <laughs> of the unintentional s- puns. <laughs> and was it in the last minute of the video where, you know, she eats the bacon and then reflects on it, but it really was about something bigger and mm. I really enjoyed mm. watching it. So my uh, my question I, or what this makes me think is what I wonder if there's a some kind of correlation between the attitude that you have about whatever you're about to eat going into it and the level of enjoyment you have of that particular food. So if you label bacon as a sin for you to eat and you can't eat it or whatever, I don't know. Taboo. Uh, yeah. Taboo. Mm-hmm. And would you taste it and have that like, oh, kind of repulsion because you – it's terrible and, and this I'm doing something wrong and it's kind of gross. Or is it the, ooh, I'm doing something wrong and this is delicious. And I wonder because, I mean, it's not quite the same, but I used to love Yogurtland more than anything. Just, used to? No. Yes, used to. I have not eaten at Yogurtland in over a year plus. What happened? I went to a small strip mall. Like I got lost in some uh, industrial park complex thing trying to find a rug cleaning store. <laughs> and so I, I come across this warehouse looking, I don't know, office store, whatever, garage. And on the top, the sign says, yogurt flavor powder factory and i was like what or no. fro- frozen yogurt powder factory whatever so then i went and i looked up what was in the yogurt that i was eating at yogurtland and i was like i'll never eat there i can't i can't um, it's basically not even a food it's how do we even call that what is it i mean just the stuff that it's flavored with it's all just chemicals and fake stuff and it comes as like powder that you then mix with it, it, nothing cut. Nothing ever looks like it was ever grown or in an animal or anything like that. It looks so totally out of a 
factory. And I'm like, I stick my nose up at McDonald's Chicken McNuggets. I can't be okay with this. Whoa. And now I went to try to eat some Yogurtland. Tastes like poison. <laughs> poison. I used to be, I used to. Oh my Have God, that was your freak. thing. They were like, what up, Sarah? Two times in one week. Good to see you. <laughs> Filling up that frequent flyer card. Next one's on the house. It was oh like my that. God. Right. I mean, this was your whole I know. thing. I'd get different topics and they'd be like, whoa, mixing it up. <laughs> Come on. So now I can't land. In, I've gone there with Landon and not gotten anything. Sarah. So now you know it's real. I am proud of you. I know. I'm proud of myself. It's interesting because... I don't know how this relates to religion. What did you (laughs) think was in it before? Yogurt. Yes. I think it was the name because I love Greek yogurt and I've always been a Greek yogurt over... I mean, this is boring, but you know. No, Uh, I think it's interesting because you were devoted. Yes, but it's like once I learned what was in it, it was no good for me. I won't spoil for you her reaction to the bacon. I'll leave that to people who can watch and see. I want to see that. Because it is interesting. Because I would, if it's like, meh. Mm. (laughs) Um, bacon is delicious. Yeah, you can watch and see what you think. It's actually appropriate that we're talking about both Jews and uh, food. (gasps) It totally is! (laughs) (laughs) Because one of my favorite Jews uh, and a lover of food is uh, on the show today, Phil Rosenthal, who's the host of a show coming out on Netflix this week called Somebody Feed Phil, which is adorable. Yeah. And um, we talked to him about his travels. This guy is the former showrunner from Everybody Loves Raymond. And I would be content if I was that kind of guy to sit on my laurels (laughs) and just enjoy food in my house. Right. Go to a restaurant. (laughs) But Phil has gone on a mission to uh, try pretty much every food the world has to offer. He calls himself the Anthony, he's Anthony Bourdain, if Anthony Bourdain was afraid of everything. Because <laughs> that's what the show kind of is. It's like a goofy Anthony Bourdain. That's great. So we'll talk to him later. I wonder if he has a favorite food. Right. I don't think he does. Oh. Because he's very passionate about... That's good. That's a good approach. I did talk to him about if he hates any kind of food. Yeah. Because I told him about my cilantro problem. That's not your fault, though. No. That's biology. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure there's other things that, you know, other people really like that each person is like, nap, not for me. Yeah, my brother turned his nose up at clams and mussels. Really? It's like, for a guy who hawks a lot of loogies, you sure seem to have a problem with... Clams, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> that just makes no sense. Makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. I was, I did read, you, we've talked on the show about food deserts. Yes, a lot. They this did, is a very um, interesting thing to discuss. And well, they've recently kind of not debunked that idea, but just said that, that there's a combination of problems that food deserts are when people don't have access to produce and healthy foods because there's no grocery within their radius of their house or whatever. But this article in the Atlantic was talking about what they called food swamps, where it's basically like tons of fast food. I think that's how the majority of, of low income folks are. Yeah. That they're, everything is stacked against them because they might be in a food desert or not, but more importantly, they have access to all this garbage. It's, Awful because it's a cycle too. So you, people who are in low low income areas or uh, they have higher levels of stress, higher levels of stress lead you to craving more salty, sweet, like instant gratification foods. Those foods are fast food. That's what fast food is. Mm -hmm. So in order to feed that craving that you're having because of your social situation, you then eat the fast food. The fast food, eating those kind of foods, then paired with the stress, then lowers your uh, immune system. All this bad stuff happens. You can't sleep as well. You're having all these health problems, which then in turn leads you to be more stressed, which then guides you back to the fast food. It's a horrible cycle that, Mm -hmm. ugh. Yeah. We got to get healthy foods to those places. But also, what do you think comes first? Education? Right. About the food so that they can go and have them turn it into a yogurt land situation? How come Chipotle and places like that don't open in the... I don't know. 
Because really, you look at the price, yeah. it's not that big of a difference. If I go and spend, you know, get a meal at wherever, Del Taco, you're leaving paying maybe $8.50. You maybe pay $9.75 or $9.10 at Chipotle for mm-hmm. a burrito, right? Right. I, I just thought of that in my head about how. And you I- can get some lettuce. <laughs> like green ones, not white. Right. Because yeah. lettuce is green. People. I would think that would be part of their mission because they're usually so, yeah. you know, aware of sustainability. Well, also, the, one of the reasons, you know what I, that leads me to think, is one of the reasons I heard that uh, In-N-Out is not everywhere is because In-N-Out sources their stuff from places that are within a certain distance from the location. So nothing ever has to be frozen or yeah. shipped long distances. So in order to control that, you can't rapidly expand and you, you have to know the food distributors in that area to make sure everything you're getting is the quality that needs to be and things like that. So that takes, it's a different kind of food that you're going to get. So maybe places like Chipotle that do have those, you know, fresh ingredients, never frozen kind of thing. Maybe we need to get local farms and uh, into the area so that they can be, we have to look instead of the, um, like kind of take a step back and instead of looking at, oh, we need more uh, food options here. We need more providers of the key ingredients of those foods hmm. so that those new restaurants can come in. Because I bet some restaurants are like, no, I can't open here because there's no place for me to get my good eggs within a 200 mile radius. Well, maybe, I don't know. I also read an article. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we do. <laughs> in the New York Times about um, how. There, it, it was specifically about farms mm-hmm. and how there are so many regulations on oh. everything that they have what's called regulatory fatigue. That's not an accident. Why? The, all those saying? regulations to okay. shut down the small little guys so the big ones can... Uh-huh. The, well, the weird thing, though, is that this article is saying that Trump is trying to undo all that because of, you know businesses are mad about all these rules so it's a mix of um interest groups so for people that care about the environment they like regulation because that limits you know pollution etc but but a lot of small businesses do suffer because they can't keep up with all the paperwork and all the rules and the and then they get fined if they don't so it, I, I see both sides, and I kind of was like, yeah, let's loosen those regulations, but it's a very I conservative I, idea. I agree with you. To, it's, ooh. Right? It's kind of messy. Because I feel like you, we have to loosen some in some categories, but not others. Ones that affect environment. You know, we're having, I was watching something where it said that the one of the biggest problems they have is like the runoff from pig farms and how that ruins the water supply and everything like that. Right. Well, if there are low, smaller farms that are able to use animals, like rely on animals like gophers and these burrowing animals to create tunnels that then hold water and runoff better hmm. than when we kill all the those, we call them like, you know, pests and they get rid of them. Well, now that we get rid of all the pests, there's no root system there's no uh, uh like what are they called aqueduct system like to drain system for all this waste to go so it sits on the top of the dirt runs all into the rivers so we need to instead the regulations have to inc- be loosened but in a way to encourage a symbiotic relationship and everything happening like in a way where we're having all the systems work together mm-hmm. instead of just oh well this is the problem that we have a lot of pig runoff. Well, why don't we just loosen the reins on how much pig runoff we allow? Yeah, you know, right. instead let's find, let's find the solution yeah. that fixes that pig runoff. Look at the alternative answer <laughs> and like, or you know, whatever. I never heard the phrase pig, pig runoff. runoff so I know. Much. I don't even know if that's the term for it, but I was what I'm calling it. Cause it sounds gross. But I mean, that's I know where swine flu freaking came from, right? Really? That's what I heard. In Texas, they had a huge outbreak of, or somewhere around that area, that it was a pig farm where the what and it was causing, I don't know, all the She's trailing off. Kind of a whole bunch of crappy stuff. Oh, God. That's funny. Basically, don't get rid of gophers. <laughs> I think we all learned a valuable <laughs> lesson today. Um, okay, wait. 
before we talk to Phil, um, I wanted to talk to people about if they're getting hitched. Oh, like married? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. By the way, I had this thought about um, why is it that we only say pop the question uh-huh. with regards to marriage? Oh. Why don't we ever pop any other questions? Is there another big question that everybody says in their life? How about like, what does it all mean? <laughs> pop that question. <laughs> like I just... There's no other question that requires another person's yes or no answer that then changes the course of your life. That's what I'm saying, but but why do, why do we oh, say pop it? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> good question. Thank you. I was watching Cheers last night, and the, it was the finale. Or is it finale? Potato, potato? <laughs> and they kept using that phrase, pop the question, and I was mm. like, why do they say that? What is that? I'm trying is, to... Did he pop the question? the question? There has to be an origin story that we have not yet gotten to the bottom of. Pop the question? Because I'm trying to think, okay, pop. Like drop champagne? Drop on one knee. Pop, champagne? No, because he's not popping the box open. Let's pop know. other questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? What other question would you pop? Like you said, some existential stuff. Some existential stuff. shit right like, there. What's in my yogurt? Yeah. Pop that question. Pop that question. Now, see, now I want, I want to... <laughs> pop it. <laughs> it almost... But pop implies that you're asking the question, not answering it. It also... But it implies that it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll think about it. You know what wouldn't be a surprise, though? Getting something, somebody exactly what they wanted or hooking up them up with the perfect wedding registry. That's what I'm saying. And that's what we want you guys to do because we have a great website called Zola where you can source all kinds of presents, not just limited to one brand. They have a million brands and different companies that you can choose from. So whatever you want for your wedding is all in one place. It allows the people that are coming to your wedding to pool their money and buy you something really big or get you a wine experience or... Um, you know, a honeymoon, whatever, massage, whatevs, whatever you want. And Zola's awesome because they do price matching and free shipping every day. You can use it right from your iPhone. And they have a wedding suite where it's free planning tools, which is really cool and makes it easy for you and your guests. And the great thing is if you sign up with our code, which is Zola.com slash brain candy, they will give you 50 bucks towards anything on their website. So if you're getting hitched, use the Zola.com slash brain candy registry and it's easy and convenient and fun. Mm-hmm. Your guests will thank you. You get 50 bones. What's not to love? Pop that. Pop pop that. Pop it. <laughs> um, okay, wait. Hold on a minute. This is going to totally change the subject. Oh, I love those kind of <clears throat> things. But um, I read this article about this guy in South America who is the last speaker of his indigenous language on oh. the planet. Oh my gosh. And how he is, he's in his seventies and he's like all tired of it. Like he's had it. With what? His language? With or the pressure of being the final person that could potentially share and save does he just have a bunch of bratty grandkids who are like no i don't want to learn that no what's going on well he was married he married a 12 year old when he was like 30 something that was how they worked back then or you know in that tribe i guess Mm -hmm. and they he and this girl had four or five four kids i believe and then she was like boy this sucks but yeah. I, she said it in a way I don't know because I don't speak this language. And she hit the road and was like, peace I'm out. I'm taking all the kids? Nope. Oh. <laughs> she left all the kids, but then they had a very traditional hunter-gatherer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and child-rearing system. And so he was like, well, I don't know what to do with the, all these kids. I got to go hunt bears or whatever. And so he put <laughs> or whatever they do. Those bears <laughs> roaming. So, and so he put them in an orphanage and so oh. they were spread out 
and uh, one of them at least lives in Lima and speaks Spanish. Most they all speak Spanish now, but so they don't speak their their native language. Mm-hmm. He was the last one left in the end because everyone died from like these ter- terrible things. dengue fever, whatever the heck you die of. In the you know jungle. what was interesting though about the article? Mm. I read it with this intention of wanting to learn more about linguistics and the way languages spread. But I swear, religion haunts me. It yeah. comes it, probably because it's in, in infiltrated into every area of life. Well, and that's how you make relations and metaphors in your brain because that's the information that you have. So all the associations, like, we'll make metaphors with what we're most familiar with. Well, I guess. But in this particular case, like missionaries came and that's how they found this dude because they wanted to convert him to Christianity. So they got all invested in him. And um, one of the things that I found really interesting was how before everybody died, he and his other tribes people were, they got all their resources from the water, fishing, et cetera, but refused to even wade in the water. And the missionaries communicated eventually with them and were like, hey, why don't you ever go in there? And the guys were like, because there's these boa constrictors and we're scared of them and they'll kill us. Hey, let's listen to the in, the native tribesmen who have been here for like centuries, not whitey missionary guy who's going to all of a sudden come and... Oh, well, they he, were he's brown. mansplaining. Okay, well, <laughs> they were brown. Spanish, but... Still mansplaining the jungle too. It was a woman. That's a Oh, God. <laughs> In my head, it's like a white guy missionary, and it's really a woman of She's color. A woman. But okay, so that but here's Sorry, the so kicker: nice. she was like, "Really?" and she jumped <gasps> in the water and started playing in the water, <gasps> and nothing happened. And so the tribes people were like, "She's miraculous," oh, and she's yeah. like, "See, I I have a spirit greater than the boa constrictors. Here's Jesus," and they were like, "Done." Sold. Oh, Lord. And they became Christians. That's yeah. genius. That seems makes it seem pretty easy. That beats those Messianic Jews in New York City you sure dealt does. with. Let me see their magic. Right. No boa constrictor saving over there. Isn't that weird, though? Now, if they did something like were able to just whistle and hail a cab, like right there, and then we're like, see that? <laughs> magic. And right. then handed me their brochure, I'd be like, oh, I'm in. I'm into this. <laughs> What was that trick? Right. They didn't 20 do 20 degrees in the middle of almost Christmas season? Oh. You were not sold. No. See? No magic but there. Anyway, it's a great article. I'll put it in the yeah. newsletter. If you want to sign up for our newsletter, it's on our website, thebraincandypodcast.com. You just put in your email, and once a week we intend, sometimes we fail, but we intend on sending out this uh, the links to the things we talk about in our show. And... um I think you guys are really going to enjoy, number one, watching Phil Rosenthal's show on Netflix. Netflix and Phil. (laughs) Oh, my Um, God. That's so great. (laughs) uh, Somebody feed Phil. And I... He we he reminds me of the group that we had on the show before, the table setters, who Mm -hmm. had that mission of... Well, they were trying to teach people about race Mm -hmm. and how if you share a meal with someone, it's really hard to hate them. Yes. The challenge has poked some holes in that. (laughs) So is my family holiday (laughs) Christmas dinner. (laughs) And, uh, but you can make a connection and hopefully learn from each other and, and be kind and Mm. whatever. And that's what I like about him and his message is that it's full of hope, humanity, and I don't think we've ever needed more of that. Boy, oh boy, do we. That and a good meal. And he's super Jewy, which is my probably favorite thing about him, which you'll love. In the episode I saw, they were in Vietnam. And he, it's, the thing is, it's like a fish out of water story uh-huh. because he wants to embrace all of these cultures, but he's like so like New York Jewish Hollywood guy. Yeah. And it's so cute. And, He's so likable and funny, and I know you guys will love it. Please check it out. I hope you also enjoy the interview. I know you will because nobody is more charming than this guy, and he's changed the way I see the world. He's changed the way I see Hollywood, and he has included me ever since I interviewed him for the Meisterpiece many, many years ago. 
and his family has embraced me, and I'm so thankful. Because he lives his message. That's what's really cool. Like, he walks the walk. I was just, you stole the words out of my mouth. It's like, that sounds like a guy who walks the walk. And that's rare. Yeah, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, he's real special. So please also follow him on um, Twitter. I believe it's just at Phil Rosenthal on Twitter. Um, But yeah, before I bring my friend Phil onto the show, I want to encourage you guys to get a good night's sleep because that's what I'm freaking doing now that I'm sleeping on a Casper mattress, which came to my door in a box and was so easy. And I just opened it up, put it on my bed, and then started sleeping like a baby. In fact, now my kid sneaks into my bed too, and he's sleeping like a baby. So Casper is awesome because it's designed to mimic human curves. So it's made by humans for humans. And they have really affordable bedding that you can you can get the wave or the essential, different two different styles, and it's all really affordable prices. So you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And all you have to do is go to casper.com slash braincandy to get $50 towards select mattresses. And use promo code braincandy at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. But it's a beautiful, breathable design. You're going to sleep well. You're going to thank me. And uh, free shipping to U.S. and Canada. Enjoy. And now, welcome to the show, my buddy, Phil Rosenthal. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming on the show. We are so excited you're going to be back on our screens finally. Congrats. I'm excited, too. Yes, you thank feel? you. I feel good. It's been a while, so, you know, years in the making. Where have you been, mister? Let's see. You're going to see in this first season, you're going to see Bangkok. Oh, my God. Yes, Israel, Lisbon. Oh, yeah, um, let's see, Mexico City, Saigon, and New Orleans. Oh, that's fun. You yes. get around, and you let me watch <laughs> the uh, the Vietnam one, and I was so into it. Because you're Aww. so adorable, it makes me Aww. sick. Like, who's Aww, even that you. cute all the time? I live to make people sick. <laughs> It's you know why because you're so joyful and you seem to really be having fun and it translates so well and then the viewer has fun too even if we can't oh, go thanks. with you. Thanks. There's no acting. I really am enjoying myself. <laughs> yes, I really do love it. I love meeting the people. The food. The food is just the way in. You know, I I, I always say that the food and the laughs are just the way in because what I'm really trying to do is get you to travel and meet these great people that live everywhere. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that you have always, and this is something you've taught me, is that the food is a means through which you can connect with other human beings, which is a really big idea, but you can do it over ice cream. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what the food is. It helps if it's good. You know, (laughs) if the food is good, then right away we're happy. Well, I love how (laughs) And when we're happy, we're open. When you right? talk about um, growing up, it's not yeah. as if you had a great food experience all your life. Uh, I would say just the opposite. <laughs> What's the story there? There's a story, I guess that that um, I uh, you know I lo- let me just say before I tell you this. Yes, I love my mother. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It won't it won't seem like I do when I tell you this, <laughs> but but I do. She's she's brilliant. Yes. she's kind she's her her heart is always in the right place she she's uh she's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh smart really smart she's she she taught me the importance of music and the arts and and everything and i'm, I'm i owe everything to her she was a terrible cook <laughs> she deprived you of flavor not her strong suit <laughs> I said, I said, you know, on the on the credits of another show, I said <laughs> that in our house, meat was a punishment. It's and, it and it was, was like a, it, it was almost like she had a setting on the oven <laughs> for shoe. Oh my god! Yes. So but, you you didn't grow up with all these delicious treats? No, I didn't have. I it was it was I was I think in college before I had garlic. <laughs> Come on. 
That's really true. I was a freshman at Hofstra University on Long Island, and some friends and I went out for an Italian meal, and and uh, it was a kind of a dumpy, cheap restaurant. It's all we could afford. Yeah. But I'm eating this just the simplest thing, pasta and red sauce, and I'm saying, this is delicious. <laughs> what, is this? <laughs> what is this flavor? They said, what, it's pasta and sauce? No, no, no. I said, what is this, this? This flavor, like, like, what are these little chopped up white bits in here? What is that? I said, what? What, garlic? I said, yes, garlic, garlic, yes. Oh, I never had that. What? What? They couldn't believe that someone could go to 18 years of age without having had this flavor. I said, I haven't had any flavor. <laughs> That's this is a amazing. Low bar. No, we used to beg, I'm not kidding, to go to McDonald's. Because say what you want about McDonald's, you know, it's designed to make a oh. kid love it. Yeah. Right? It tastes good to children and people who haven't grown up. This is, this yes. is a, a, you know, happy meal. <laughs> That's what they call it. That's what they call it. In fact. And, you, and in fact, it is. If you're, if you're, if you're not careful, it's, it, it, it will kill you. But, but it's certainly, if you're not used to flavor it has all the fat and salt and sugar that you could possibly want you if you're a kid you're preaching to the choir because i just revealed on the episode that aired this week on our show that i my family is so in love with the golden arches that my grandfather requested to have a picture of the golden arches put above him at his funeral now that's why trash wow that that is is, i've never heard that (laughs) That, that is, is a true story. Is your dad Ronald McDonald? I <laughs> right? mean, that's unbelievable. I know. We we all went to Hamburger University. It was, no. You did? No, but I mean, that is commitment right there. But you you go there if you're going to work at McDonald's, right? There's we nothing do. wrong with that. Yeah, You got to learn that, right? Yeah. Um, but listen, people, kids got to get their first job somewhere. That's perfectly, Heck perfectly yeah. fine first we're job, I think. We love the Golden Arches. But my kids... I showed them when they were really young. I showed them the movie Super Size Me. Yes. You know that movie? Yes. Uh, and it's about a guy who, it's a documentary about a guy who eats McDonald's straight every meal for a month and how his health just deteriorates. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. Just to, no, he gained a lot of weight. He had all kinds of health issues. I mean, he almost. You know, if he kept on that, he would he would have died. Now, nobody eats nothing but McDonald's, but he did it to make a point. Yeah. In fact, the first time he eats a supersized meal, having not done it before, his right. body rejects it. He throws up, and they show him throwing up <laughs> in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to see that. Why are they showing that? Well, it turns out that that was the most important moment in that movie because my kids never, ever wanted to go to McDonald's no. after seeing that. Yes, it's true. You indoctrinated them against the gold Absolutely. Margin. But I, I for for people out there who who yeah. want to get their kids, you know, it's almost like getting them off some kind of addiction. Yeah. I'm telling you that this worked. This worked for my kids anyway. Well, and funnily enough, in the episode that I got to see of, of Somebody Feed Phil, you, when you're in Vietnam and you have this delicious salad, you wanted to call it a, a happy meal, I think. Or yes, something it's similar. the true yeah. happy meal. Anything that's wonderful and delicious yeah. and makes you happy is a happy meal, isn't it? Yeah. Is there anything, though, that like – see, because I'm one of those weirdos who thinks cilantro tastes like uh, soap. Right, my son is the same. Oh, okay. So do you yeah. have anything like that where you're just like, I am not into that at all? There's a flavor, I, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I'm not a fan of black licorice. Yeah. Do you like it? No, I'm not into that. I'll have the red licorice. Yeah. But I'm not the fan of the black. That's a very specific, strong flavor, yeah. right? Yeah, and some people are super into it, but that's not your bag. It's funny. I was so in love with candy as a kid. <laughs> That that um, <laughs> I would, if good and plenty was all there was, I would still eat it even though I didn't like it. <laughs> That's because at least the outside was sweet, right? And the black licorice was in the center. Man, but you then I would still kind of go, I would muscle through. <laughs> <laughs> You'd white knuckle it. That's hilarious. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. 
Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I, when I was with you the other night, I was saying how I really love the name of your show because it's like a call to action. I think it's a call to, like, if you, if if nobody's fed the dog all day, somebody just, hey, somebody feed Phil. Right. right? I, I think just it's like love that. It. It's adorable. And it's like, hey. It suggests a helpless, it suggests a helpless person. <laughs> but the funny thing is you're the one that's always feeding everyone else. It's, at least when I'm around, it's like you are the guy that brings food. I do like that. I, nothing makes me happier than turning you on to something great. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's a piece of pizza or or my favorite ice cream or 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 a place you got to see or a person you have to meet. That You're... this is a, I get pure joy from from turning someone on to something delicious or great or fun or mind expanding or or you know and it can be a work of art. It could be it could be a peanut. Well, and that's a but that's a real gift is that you make it it's contagious and that's something really special about you. Thank you. Here's what I want to know. Originally, of course, most of us knew your work as a fella behind the camera on Everybody Loves Raymond and and I just wonder, you know, how did this guy who's a master yeah. producer become somebody that is okay in front of the camera because sometimes that doesn't work out. Uh, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't work out all the time. Maybe it's not going to work out this time, but, <laughs> but I'm here now. I, I, I really, I tell people I love every aspect of show business, right? Because I said, when you're a kid, you don't know that there's writing and directing and producing when you're watching TV. Mm-hmm. You just watch your favorite funny people, if you're me, and you go, I want to do that. I want to be like them. So I, the way to do that legally in, in school is to, without, you know, getting thrown out of class, which I was quite often, uh, would be to be in the school play. And that's oh. called theater. And you can actually go to college and study theater to be that, to be. And, and I wasn't serious in any way. I wasn't like, even though they, you have to do some serious plays, all I wanted to do was be funny. That's all. And I went to college for theater and I thought I would be a character actor in New York. And I struggled for years in, in New York trying to do that. Then my friends and I wrote a show for ourselves to be in and that became successful. <laughs> we did it. We did it just so because no one was casting us. So yeah. we wrote this thing and then that was a hit. And then somebody saw me in that show. I'm telling you all this to tell you why I'm in front of the camera yeah. now because yes. that's where I started actually. Right. But I was uh, uh, an agent from Hollywood saw me in New York in this play. He said, you come to Hollywood, you will never stop working as an actor. And I packed a bag and I moved to <laughs> California and I never started working as an no, actor. No, that's not yes, true. It's true. Oh my God. But I was also able, I discovered, to write because I co-wrote this show. I co-wrote a screenplay with a friend of mine and we, we sold it to HBO for more money than I could ever have imagined at that time. Yeah. And and uh, suddenly, uh, you know, I went from eating tuna fish for dinner as an actor <laughs> to, as a writer, eating whatever I wanted. That's what's funny about you is that you actually benchmark it by what food you were eating at the yes, time. that's right. <laughs> and so now, you know, I could go out to eat. I could go to a restaurant. I could, t- oh, my God, the whole world is opening up. Keep writing, I tell myself. Wow. <laughs> and so... You know, you work, I got a job on a sitcom and then another one, another one. And then I created uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. And that was, that was wonderful. Now, here I'm telling you the whole story. Yeah. During Raymond, uh, at the end of season one, I say to my friend, Raymond, what are you going to do on your hiatus? Where are you going to go? Yes, I love this story. He says, I go to Jersey Shore. (laughs) And I said, that's nice. Have you ever been to Europe? He goes, nah. I said, 
no, really? Because he, you know, he's he's forty something at this point. Yeah. I I said, why not? He goes, nah, I'm not really interested in other cultures. Yes. Right. Even even his own, even like a t- Italian, <laughs> he's not interested. <laughs> right. So I'm telling him about Italy, and it's all great, and 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 he's like, oh, and it hits me. We got to do an episode where we send him to Italy as him, and we send him back as me. <laughs> Someone who's very excited about traveling, especially Italy, especially the food in Italy, especially the people in Italy, yes. right? So it took a few years to get the money from the network to, to allow us to do this, but we did it. Yeah. And I wrote this script, special one hour, Raymond, if you ever see it, this is the genesis for what I'm doing now. This very episode wow. of the show. I think we filmed it in the year 2000. Oh my God. So it's been a while. And I tell you that because it's been that long that I've had this dream. Because what happened to Ray, the character that I wrote, happened to Ray, the person. Yes. In real life. And again, nothing makes me happier than turning someone on to this. That's when the light bulb went off. What if I could do this for other people? That's so magical. Yeah. And it took, you know, then we we had a few more years of Raymond and then... I, I didn't know that such a, a show for me was possible. I had no idea. It was just a, like a fantasy, like a dream. And I kept trying to kept trying to do other sitcoms and stuff. But I realized that during the time we were doing Raymond, the business had changed. What do I mean? Yeah. It it uh, the kind of show Raymond was. It was a kind of I guess you would say it was a clean show, mm-hmm. meaning there's no the the there was. N- Never a dirty word, really. Yeah, not provocative. I think, I think ass was the worst we ever got. Damn. Yes. Hell. But but we knew that kids were watching. By the way, CBS wanted us to be uh, hipper and edgier. Oh. They wanted us to to say things and do things that were, I felt, not in keeping with the tone of the show. Mm-hmm. Plus, as a comedy writer, I feel, it's just personal taste, that a lot of that stuff is easy. You can yeah. get a laugh by saying uh, a, a naughty word or something suggestive. Yeah. And I thought we could be suggestive without saying anything. People are smart, and we gave credit to the audience. So I tell you this to tell you that those kind of shows I felt went out of favor. Mm-hmm. Like we would, I, I believe, I truly believe, we would not have got on the air the year we went off the air. Wow. True. I don't believe. We could get on now, and I, I think, you know, listen, we had trouble getting on the air the year we got on the air. That's true? Absolutely. I had no idea. The only reason we made it is because it tested okay, mm. not, not great, and they needed something after Dave's World on Friday night. Oh, my God. That was, it's like that, you fit the suit. Exactly. Oh, my God. But they had shows with much bigger stars and and they all got the prime slots and we were kind of almost an afterthought that the that Les Moonves to his gigantic credit yeah he liked it <laughs> he liked it thank I like god this. yeah i like it oh my god so he put it on but it was it wasn't easy and and we struggled in, on friday night and then they had something not do well on monday night and they gave us a shot there and then we did very well you blew up. so so yeah so that was how that happened and for years after Raymond, I've struggled to get another sitcom on the air. And that, now maybe you've said that to me is that you love everything about show business except the business. Exactly right. Yeah. I love acting, writing, directing, performing, editing, watching. producing, everything, watching. Everything about the business is great except the business. <laughs> right. The business is the actually the, the stumbling block to getting all those other things. Yeah. The business is what is in your way. And so that's my struggle. That's everybody's struggle. When you sort of thought this show was going to be something you wanted to do, did you know yeah. that you were going to host it in your mind? Well, here's the, the couple things happened. One is I was asked by Sony to go to Russia 
and observe how they make sitcoms over there, how Sony brought, invented the sitcom form. The form didn't exist until Sony brought the nanny over there. Mm. And, and the head of Sony was telling me all these crazy things about, about, you know, trying to work over there with people who've never done it before in, in Russia. Right. And he said, would I like to go there and observe how they work with the Russians and then come back and write a comedy movie, write a feature fictional film oh. about a guy who has his show translated into Russian <laughs> and works with the Russians, write a comedy movie. Okay. And I said, well, I would do that. But, but if this situation really does exist in Moscow, why, why, not, why not make a documentary? Yeah. Why not really do it? And he goes, I love that idea. And he says, would you be the guy? Yes. And I said, I'd make the movie. He goes, no, no, make the movie. Be in the movie. Yeah, you be are the, the guy movie. who do, do Raymond over there and film it. And that is called Exporting Raymond. And that also is on Netflix right now. Yes. And everyone and should I, watch it because it's fantastic. And PBS saw this movie Saw and they how said, we, you are. we said, we like the idea of you going places. And I said, so does my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, made that show for them. And now Netflix wants to do this show, which is very, 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 very similar. Yes. Still has my parents, still has everything from that one. Not really allowed to talk about that one yeah. for legal reasons because it's moved now over here. So, And the business is the business. Yes. Yes. But I'm very grateful. I know it's been a couple of years since the since you saw the last one, but I'm very happy to be back. I'm happy to be on Netflix. Now I'm in 190-something countries. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe right? it? I, I believe it. I believe it. I feel <laughs> like, I, feel like I, I get to be like not just turning you on to, to travel, but I'm almost like a – I feel like an ambassador. Yes. I think everybody who travels is an ambassador in some way. Right, you represent. Just like when you see someone from another country here, you might generalize about what those people are like. Yes. Right? Yes. If you're not, if you're not super smart. So, right. Um, who am I talking about? So, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so then, by the same token, you are being judged. You are being. You represent. You yes. represent America when you go somewhere. So. You know, in today's world, I, I think we could use some some decent representation. I think that we we're, I think in general, I'm going to say in general, people around the world are so much better than their governments. Oh my God, you're so right. When I was watching your the Vietnam episode, I was so struck by exactly what you're saying. Where is like. This is the perfect moment for a show like this, which is hopeful and uh, inclusive, but also super fun. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. I'm so it. Uh, I'm very proud. You should be of of what we're doing. I'm very thrilled with the people that I've met. I mean, how how sweet is that family on that little that little island in the middle of the river? It was so special. Right? And they're singing to you? Come on. I was like, you know what? I want to give up my kid and take those ones. <laughs> I'm trading. <laughs> I got a dad. You know, I tear up because they're so sweet. They, What business do they have being sweet to right? Americans right. in Vietnam? Right. And and what you said at the beginning of the show where you're like, you know, you're, what you think of when you think of Vietnam is informed by all these movies about yes. the war, et cetera. And so here, let's take a, a look at what's cooking now. Right. And man, did you do a great job. And you're oh, so goony you. and ridiculous. So it's like <laughs> the perfect blend. <laughs> I don't get that about you. How, do you. how are you not jaded, Phil? And cynical. You're not. How can you be when you meet people like that? Yeah. It's a beautiful right? thing. Yeah. But out here in L.A., you know, you see a lot of people and they're not so hopeful but you are but i meet great people here too yeah. there's great people everywhere yeah right if yeah. you're lucky enough to have friends you like them <laughs> you like your family i hope i hope you know you like they're, well, they're they good. like trump phil so i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> um, nobody's perfect <laughs> right um, 
But I, I love, I guess I love people in general. Yeah. Yes, there's terrible. There's most, yeah. most, <laughs> I have this other side too, which says most <laughs> things are terrible. Most things, most everything is terrible. So when you find the good, you, I think you celebrate it. Yeah. And you right? do such so, a great job of that. Oh, thanks. That's why thanks. people are going to love your show. And I can't wait for them to all watch it and talk about it. Because it's magical what you've done. I'm so happy you like it. I'm so thrilled. I want everyone to watch it. I want I I want to keep doing this. First of all, yeah. it's the world's greatest scam that I've been able to <laughs> pull to be able to travel the world and eat delicious food and meet great people and 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 do this is so wonderful. I never want to stop. Yeah. And and uh you know, my parents are in every episode, so that's very special to me. They're they're hilarious. Your brother they're, was in this one as well. My brother is a producer on the show. Yes. So when I was putting this together, you know, I I'd, I'd had a couple of attempts at this for different <laughs> companies and things that had asked me to do stuff. And I learned how to do this show by doing it wrong a couple of times. Mhm. That nobody and nobody saw that, but those were like first drafts, yeah. right? Yeah, of things, and you learn what to do by knowing what not to do. Right, <laughs> right. That's true. It, you never know. Like, why am I talking to the camera? Why am I t- calling my parents? Why am Why am I focused on on the the people? And it's not just food, food, food. Why yeah. am I? T- this is all stuff you learn mm-hmm. from doing it the wrong way, maybe. Yeah. And then you find a tone and a, and a, you know, it's crafted. It's not, and it's edited to make you laugh. It's so funny. So I'm bringing in what I've learned over the years about making a show. Because, you know, like on Raymond, laughs were job one, yes. right? If nobody's laughing, nobody's watching. It doesn't yeah. matter what your message was. If nobody's laughing, they're going to turn it off. <laughs> right. So I'm applying that to this as well. When you I have were to... riding that motorcycle and your head popped out from behind that lady, <laughs> I died. It was so great. <laughs> it's so that, great. You take your life in your hands going on that thing. <laughs> that's no joke. But that's what's great is that it's so, super fun, but there's heart and there's, you know, an important foundation. But it's so just joyful and fun to watch. Thank and you. And listen. How about those kids? Did you see the kids oh in, the, in the school? <laughs> How cute are they? (laughs) Right? They should not leave you with them. Like, you're such a bad influence. You're like, let's give them sugar. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll do anything to, to, I'll I'll bribe uh, anybody to get my way. Yeah. You know, listen, I started out when I was 18 years old. I was cast on a reality show called Road Rules. I had never been out of the country. And reality TV is a lot of garbage in, in and there's a lot of not good stuff. But the good thing yes. for me was that I got to experience other cultures and see around right. the world. It, and it changed my life. And it changed the way, my worldview. And that's also how I feel since I've met you as well, is knowing that this is a thing and that we can spread the word. And that's what yes. you're doing. So thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I love that you're, you're getting that out of it because you're totally getting what I'm trying to – make people realize there's no more mind expanding thing we can do in life than travel. I realized early on in my early twenties that any money you make Mm -hmm. that's extra, you put in the bank for travel. It's the only money you spend that makes you richer. You got it. And you know what? We talked about this. We were at Pitts International week. We did a live podcast and we talked about how, you know, if you don't have the money to travel, you can go to a restaurant and eat their food down the road cheap because as you yeah. taught me as well, expensive doesn't necessarily mean better. Of course. And you point, can be just yeah. as happy with the best pizza than, as the best four-star yes. restaurant. So so go. Yes. You, you, the point of my L.A. episode that I did for the other one was, was, uh, was that you can travel in your own town. There's a Peruvian restaurant down the street right. that you're afraid to go to because what do I know about <laughs> Peruvian food? Right. Well, look it up on your phone. Yeah. And you'll see without cool. even going there. Oh, they have chicken? Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. It's very good. And so you go and try it. Oh, I like Peruvian food. Well, where really? Did you know that they do it like this and that, that in Peru it's ba ba ba? And oh, <laughs> maybe I go to Peru. See? And suddenly 
your whole world is bigger. Your whole every you learn something that affects the rest of your life. You're a missionary, goodness. Uh, last question we ask everybody, and I don't know if this applies to you, but what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Do you have a trunk? I do. Okay, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? I keep the charger that charges the car. <laughs> I don't know That's what else. Oh, I have, an, I have an umbrella. Oh, my God. I have an so umbrella. Cute. It says everybody loves Raymond on it. Really? I kept it from that. Yes, I kept it. We had those umbrellas. I've had it that long, yes. I bet you haven't used it very much out here, though. It's Los Angeles, baby. <laughs> it's more decorative. <laughs> it hardly rains. And then when it does rain, you go from the car into your garage. Okay, you never go outside. You're fine. You don't even need it. You don't need it. I think that's all I have in there. That's shocking, actually. What do you have? Well, our theory is that whatever's in the trunk of your car um, yeah. is indicative of where you are in your life. So okay. often for me, you know, there's always kids stuff and like reusable right. bags because I live a very sad, lonely life. But, um, you know, a lot of people like you might have like DVDs of your show that you're giving out or like, oh. I could see you doing that. I guess I've had that before. I've snacks. done that. Where I could I totally keep a see you concerned about like if you ran out of snacks somewhere. Oh, listen, <laughs> listen, they're not in the trunk. I need them. I need them up front with you me. You need them in arms reach. Of course. Why oh do I have? God, I... Yes. Yeah, so does that say something? What do you have in your in your next to your cup holder up front? <laughs> the little in the little the little valley right there. You That's where snacks. I need. I have a yes. Okay. I have gum and candy and 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 uh, I don't know nuts, coconut chips, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever. There's a bag of coconut chips. I've never had it, but I, I keep it there because when I'm stuck in the desert on right. the side of the road and I'm dying and I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm going to have those coconut chips. That's what those are for. See, I knew that you were going to be a food troubleshooter. Yeah. All right. You're off the hook, Phil. Thank you so much. I love talking to you and you're, you're so sweet to, uh, watch the show and, and, you know, I didn't give you much time. I think I sent it to you last night, right? Yes, I enjoyed it. You're very, you're very nice. No, I really loved it, and I'm so happy it's back, and I hope it never ends. Um, he. You have to tell me whenever you want this to post, and that's when it will post. I think you post it uh, January 12th, the day we go on Netflix. Your, oh, my gosh. How do you about have to that? go on a tour? Is that what you're doing? I think I'm. I think I'm going to do some appearances if anybody wants me. Wow. I'm going to go. I'm going to proselytize. That's right. <laughs> See, that's the kind of proselytizing I'm on board with. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Thank you, dear. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, I'll see you soon. Again. Okay. Bye. Bye.